Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. This is podcast 280. As we take a deep dive in the world of persuasion, motivation, influence, self-persuasion, self-leadership, mindset, and success. Just get a few more tools. Most people only have four or five, maybe six persuasion tools. There's over a hundred. Let's get more tools, become more persuasive because it'll impact every aspect of your life. So welcome back. Good to have you here. I was in Phoenix's last week. Warm and nice. A good time of the year to be in Phoenix. Not necessarily the summertime. I guess most places have a time to be there and a time not to be there. And it's a time to be there. Very warm and nice. Good people. Spent the time talking about how to create the perfect persuasive presentation. The triple P. Let me know if you want me to analyze your presentation. Let me know at Kurt, K-O-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Also send your... Questions, comments, rude remarks, jokes there. I'd be happy to respond. Let's kick things off today with a ninja. Well, I'm getting ready to fly to the Middle East again. Go to Qatar. And a couple things go wrong with this airlines. It was Qatar Airlines. And if you haven't been doing your history, not a lot of airlines are flying there now. The neighboring countries are kind of in a dispute, won't fly there. So you have to be creative in how you get there. And I'm pretty loyal to Delta, and so I at least take Delta most of the way because, you know, there are perks to that. But at some point, i got to give out another airline because Delta does not fly there. So I was in Amsterdam waiting in lines. One of the reasons I fly Delta is I don't have to wait in any lines. It's kind of nice. They treat me well. But I had to wait in the regular line. It was long. It was an overnight flight that I had just come from. I was probably looking tired. And then there was a ninja. One of the gate agents saw me and says, are you doing all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm just a little tired. Why don't you come out and let me help you? I'm like, what? She took me to a different spot in front of the line, took care of business, upgraded me, checked in my bags, and made my day. I'm like, how did that happen? Was it because I was looking miserable, tired? <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but she is the ninja. And that very act, I forgave the other things that went wrong, and I will be flying them again on this trip. I think what it was, and this was good on her part, she saw my medallion from Delta, you know, my rank with them, and could tell that I was a frequent flyer, that I flew a lot, and she was willing to give me a little extra extra to make sure I flied on their airlines a little bit more. I'm assuming that's what it is. Otherwise, maybe it might just be my friendly face, which we know that's not true because I suffer from RBF. If you don't know what that is, Google that. But she's the ninja. I'm giving her another shot. She made my day, helped me out. Not sure what the other people in line thought, but hey, <laughs> she made my day. I made the flight. It was great. They get another shot just because she was being perceptive. That is our ninja. Then, of course, we need to go to our geeky article. This is brought to us by Dr. Jonas Webb in Psych Central. And she's talking about how do you become more successful in your job, have more life satisfaction, longer marriages, happier children. 
and she says it's emotional intelligence or EQ. I'm with you on that one. Study after study shows that your EQ, your emotional intelligence, is much more important than your IQ, your actual intelligence, in your success and your relationships and what you're able to do. And so she talks about five things to do to increase your emotional intelligence. So basically, emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions and handle interpersonal relationship conflict with empathy and skill. So reading other people's emotions and adapting and understanding your own emotions and dealing with your own emotions. Worst thing you can do with your emotions is bury them because then that's when strange things start to happen when you don't deal with them. That's a whole nother podcast. So you born with this EQ, this emotional intelligence? Is it in your genetics or is it something we can learn? Well, the article in Dr. Webb says it's a little of both. She talks about the importance of EQ and parenting, understanding children, reading children, dealing with those emotions, helping them deal with those emotions. But let's go into those five things. She says the first one is to decisively declare you're a student of emotions. Oh, well, I guess you declare. Maybe you could decisively declare. She says, so just start paying attention to your feelings every day. Why do you feel that way? Where does that emotion coming from? And just be more aware of yourself. And number two, she says, start trying to be aware of when you are having a feeling. So once you decide to do it, just be aware of those feelings and where they're coming from. Number three, increase your emotion vocabulary. She says this involves learning and using more emotion words in your everyday life. Then she talks about build your capacity for empathy. All right, Empathy, you're not just feeling sorry for. You're in their shoes. You're feeling it. You're understanding that emotion. You know what it's like to feel that way. And this takes time, probably more for men than women. But she says you can start practicing just by watching TV, a movie, or reading a book, trying to get the feelings of those characters. And the final one she talks about is practice assertiveness. Assertiveness is saying what you need to say in such a way that the other person can take it. It requires you to know what you feel and be able to put those into words. So take a few of those, start working on those. I mean, the main thing is increase your emotional intelligence. Be more aware of emotions, what they mean, what to do when you see them, what to do when you feel them, because that can make a huge difference in your life. So I agree, emotional intelligence is a big key. Great persuaders have a high EQ, and they're able to not only deal with their own emotions, but read emotions and adapt accordingly. So I was inundated with emails this week, including McKay, who we talked about last week, who sent an email about meta programs, and we focused on the meta programs, those patterns, how our brains work differently. A lot of questions on the male and female side, how we're supposed to persuade male and females different. Now, there was no scathing emails. That was good. People were just trying to figure out how to adapt, whether it be over the phone or face-to-face, and how that would work. The first thing to realize is that Men's brains and women's brains are different. They're wired differently. There was a study done in Scientific American that showed quite a few physical differences between the male and female brains. Women have a bigger, thicker corpus callosum, if you care what the word is. Basically, they have a larger bridge or nerves that connect the left and right side of the brain. And this allows women to use both sides of their brain better. They can solve problems quicker. Well, most men, can we're generalizing here, predominantly use the left side of their brain. I heard one scientist say it's like men have a one-lane road between the brains, and women have a six-lane freeway or highway between their brains. That's the differences between the brains. That's the big one. 
And women tend to use more of this cerebral cortex to form tasks, which helps them multitask better and be more organized. So the first thing it is, it's wired differently. So how do we deal with this in the world of persuasion? So discover.org actually did some research on this and they found that just the term salespeople, more men had a, more of a negative association than the women did. Isn't that interesting? And that in the way we perceive the salesperson is different for men and women. And not only perceive, but what we want in a salesperson. Men preferred a salesperson who listened, understood, and then matched the solution with the problem. Women preferred someone that made them feel comfortable and that would earn their long-term business. So a little overlap there, but looking for different things. And they found that women tend to rate their negotiation skills a lot worse than men. So there's a different perception and ability to negotiate that could help or hurt in a persuasive situation. So the big one, when you look at the research, is that women tend to enjoy the experience of shopping more than men. Women like more attention when they shop. They like the salespeople ask questions, know their merchandise, make good suggestions or recommendations. Men usually know what they want, where they need to go, what department it is, what the item is. They go and they get out of the store as fast as possible. That's me to a T. In and out. Man, grocery store, 10 minutes. I'm not dinking around here. Let's get it done. So men usually don't like to browse, don't need much interaction. I don't want your help unless I ask for it. And I'm not going to ask for it unless I really, really need it. And that's a big thing. According to the Mediterranean Journal of Sciences, we shop differently. Men go for a reason. There's something they're looking for. There's something they need. And I got to get it done. Women, can we're generalizing here, tends to be more of a reward. It's intrinsic. It's an emotional thing. They love it. It's an experience. They shop with other friends. They're looking at other products and services. They go for different reasons. So men and women shop for different reasons. Women can be more emotional shoppers, and they need to have an experience. Men, we want to get it done, make it simple. Leave it on a website. Navigation, make it quick for men on a website, or otherwise you're going to lose them real fast. So really... Men, quick, simple, easy, effortless. I don't want to think a lot about it. Let's get it done. I don't want to spend a lot of time. Women will spend more time in the experience, trying to discover the best solution. They'll look at different options, and the experience is completely different. Another study by Sock and Bailey found that women were more likely to look for online sales and discounts. Men, quick, simple, fast. They might not get the best deal, but man, they saved an hour of time. So think about that. That's even true for customer service. In fact, the Verity Group did a study and they found that, that women considered the lack of help when they needed it as the biggest problem. So they're all about the customer satisfaction. So women experience customer service, customer satisfaction. They want some help. Men in and out fast. Another difference that was found by Erasmus University is that men tend to be more loyal to brands. Women are more, are more loyal to good service. So men, we find something we like, it works. Whether it be shaving cream or a place to eat, it works. It's good. We're in and out. I know what to expect. Versus women, it's all about the service. So loyalty really increased when people take care of the women and they get really good service. So that relationship is key to women in persuasion and exceeding 
or at least keeping those expectations. So, okay, that's just kind of a quick overview. There are some differences, and that's not always 100% true. Even with the meta programs, you got to dive in and see where they're at. But if I can just help you look for differences, look for similarities, look for things that you can build upon, look for things you need to change, now you become a great persuader. Because too many times in persuasion, one size fits all, the presentation's about the same, we respond to the same objections versus really getting in and figuring out what's going on. So it doesn't matter what the meta program is, if you can adapt your style, your personality to them, it'll make a huge difference in your success. So on one hand, when you're individual, you're adapting, you're customizing. And you got to be ready too to adapt even more. Look at their senses. Everyone has a dominant sense. Everyone's a little bit different here. We have our five senses, right? Taste, touch, feel, sight, hearing. Did I get them all? Anyway, some of those are predominant to us and we focus more. Some people smell everything. They can go back instantly when they smell something. For some people, touch more than others. But the predominant three of those two that you can look for, that you can adapt to as you're looking at different meta programs, is visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, which is touch. The numbers show that when we learn, 75% comes to us visually, 13% is hearing, and 12% through smell, taste, and touch. But as humans, about 40% of us tend to be visual, 20% tends to be auditory, the other 40% tends to be kinesthetic, you know, touch, feel. And it's important that you understand how that works. As I mentioned before, if someone sees a car accident, you get three different versions. You know, if someone says, I was walking down First Avenue, listening to the singing birds when I heard a scream for help, the yelling got louder and louder, and there was another scream, the thief ran off. That would be an auditory person. A visual person might say, I was walking down First Avenue, watching the birds play in the air. I observed this large man coming around the corner. He looked mean and attacked the smaller man. I saw him take his wallet and run from the scene. Versus a kinesthetic person seeing the same thing would say, I was walking down First Avenue when I felt a lump in my throat, feeling that something bad was going to happen. And there was a scream. There was tension. I knew that a man was getting robbed. I felt helpless to do anything. That's the perception. That's the difference. And if you could adjust to those things, it could make a huge difference. Because they're visual people. probably want to map it out on a whiteboard. Auditory, you're going to talk it through. Kinesthetic, let's feel. Let's walk through it. Let's touch it and see how we can fix it. Because visually oriented people understand the world to how it looks to them. They notice the details, an object's shape, color, size, and texture. They say things like, I see what you mean. From your point of view, how does that look to you? I can't picture that. Do you see what I mean? So they use those active visual words. See, show, view, look, watch, observe. Auditory people perceive everything according to sound and rhythm. You might hear things like, I hear you. That sounds good to me. Can you hear what I'm saying? It doesn't ring a bell. Let's talk about it, right? Words like hear, listen, sound, silence, harmony, say, speak, discuss, verbalize. And then there's kinesthetic people. They go with what they touch or feel, not only in a tactile way, but also internally. They're also into feelings and emotion. A kinesthetic person would say things like, yeah, that feels right. I'll be in touch with you. Did you feel that? I understand how you feel. I can sense it. They use words such as feel, touch, hold, connect, reach, Lift, understand. So if you can adapt to the visual, auditory, kinesthetic and talk to them how they see the world, it'll make a big difference in your persuasion and influence. Now, something interesting with that, and this is not 100%, is the eyes. I know when I train military negotiators, 
or the concept of detecting deception. The eyes will tell you a lot. I mean, when the eyes dilate, when there's increased blinking, a lot of things happen with the eyes. But something interesting with visual, auditory, and kinesthetic people, if you ask them a question that they have to think about, visual people tend to, usually right-handed people, tend to look up. Auditory people tend to look to the side, and visual people tend to look down when they're gathering their thoughts. So even eye movement, being aware of that, can tell you a lot. Not only the detecting deception process, but also how their brain is wired. Now, of course, we're talking about persuading individually. Now, when you go to a group setting, it's a little different. You have to shoot down the middle. You have all the personalities there. You have all the meta programs there, so you have to do a little bit of everything. I know when I read my evaluation, ones might say, "Oh, love the group exercises. Met a lot of good people, but you talked about the science too much." And the next one reads, "Love the science. Love the statistics. Too many group exercises." And that tells you you're about right. If the, all the complaints are a little bit different, you're probably right. They're just based on personality. Don't worry about it. So in a group situation, you need to shoot down the middle: a little visual, a little auditory, a little kinesthetic, some group exercises, some science. Make sure you're telling stories. Stories resonate with most of your audience. In fact, those who've gone through persuasive presentations know the acronym is TAS. In every presentation that you give to a group, if you want to resonate with everybody, you need to have some type of testimonial from an expert that's saying the same thing that you're saying. You have some type of example, like a metaphor or simile. You know, charismatic people use more metaphors than the average person. Just something that rings true. Of course, a good, verifiable, believable statistic will go a long way for your logical friends. And then you have to have a story, which, like I said, will resonate with most your audience. Usually, fifty, sixty percent of your audience is going to resonate with your story. You have to have a story, but then ten percent hate stories. Well, if sixty percent love stories and ten percent don't, you still got to tell the story. But you also got to add data or value to what they're looking for. So it's either going to be a testimonial. An example, a statistic, a story. I cannot think of a presentation that you would give to a group of people that would not include one of those. So the message here is adaptability, readability. So first, read what's going on. We need to adjust and adapt to that and become a better persuader. It can be that simple, and it's important that your bandwidth and your brain is in reading the person, understanding the person, not in recalling your presentation. Because when you get to that point, you become much better persuader because you're focusing on the readability and adaptability, and you become more persuasive. That's our podcast today. Try it out. Use it. Get more tools. Become more persuasive. Look us up on Twitter at Influence Max, and of course the website is MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Reach me at Kurt K U R T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Please hit the like button. Please give us your feedback and rate the show. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the power of persuasion, about meta programs, about men and women's brains are different, about the importance of getting more tools, reading people, adapting to people, and then just go out and persuade with power.